What's up, everybody? Sorry to interrupt his back. We're here for another week. Another week that just went by way too fast. It's crazy, man. Tom, what's going on, brother? How are you? What's up, man? How are you feeling? Uh, about the same still. Um, how about yourself? I'm doing all right. Um, I went to a protest yesterday, so that was oh, cool. Oh, awesome. Yeah. How was it? In my hometown. Right at the courthouse. It was good. Good turnout for a small town. Um, just felt like I wanted to do something uh, to support the cause. Being, us not having much money and whatnot, you know, we can't donate millions of dollars to these funds, but got to make your voice heard. Vote in November, everybody. I think Sean I was just said say. last time, uh, <laughs> we're going to say it every podcast. Hopefully, we can remember from June to November to say it every single time. Uh, vote in November, make your voice heard. That's the least we're you can do. A, we're off to a damn good start because I was Hell just yeah. going to say, you segued that perfectly into saying, let's vote in November. You're out ahead of it. I love it. Yes, everybody, please. And if you go to a demonstration or not, you know, continue to educate yourselves. Like we said last time, walk into stuff, be more socially conscious and aware. Um, I want to let you know I did watch 13th this week. It was awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you feel um, more informed, right? Get yeah, a better understanding for the s- systemic and systematic racism. Oh, very much so. Um, it was a it was a real eye opener. A lot of that stuff you know in your periphery, but not glaring like the documentary show. And then also, I'm not do sure they, they don't really teach about that in the history books now, do they? No, 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 they do not. Um, Just like Thanksgiving was about turkey and stuffing, right? Yeah, that's a. <laughs> It's a, and Columbus was, you know, a really good dude. Um, <laughs> did you get a chance to watch Dave Chappelle's 46? Um, yes, I actually had a friend. Um, she sent it to me on on Instagram. I didn't even know about it, but that was the one where he did it in the in the uh, open field and all that. Yes. Yeah, yep. man. And he Very powerful. About, yeah, it was incredibly powerful. Um, He's brilliant too, and, and you know it wasn't funny. It wasn't really meant to be funny. Of course, he delivered it in his style, but you know, just runs through a history of instances of why this movement is happening and why we care and why it's such an issue to African Americans everywhere and just the oppression that they felt and really how kind of similarly to Thirteenth, right? Like how the system has not supported them in a way where they can really get the best out of our our society. So I thought it was great. Yeah, absolutely, man. And uh, there's still more more things going on. I mean, there's there was a black man found hanging from a tree, um, according to the New York Times. Um, they In California, they judged it as suicide. I, I don't know about that. I mean, I think no, I, I'd have to I'd have to read more about it. Yeah, Doesn't sound I, good optically in either way. I mean, I've I've read a little bit on it, and I mean, they I just think to deem it suicide without doing a full investigation is a little much. Just being that, I don't know, that's not really a way most people would commit suicide, and there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of history behind someone hanging from a tree, right? Yeah, there sure is. Uh, yeah, on it, um, that is a. Uh, that it's regardless of what it was obviously hopefully i mean there's no good way that it that it ended up being but shit man i mean you're just seeing this this divide that's so strong and as together as we feel like we're becoming especially our generation you still get 
the Karens of the world and everything with these viral videos telling, you know, this Puerto Rican family to play American music and go back and where you come from. It's like, they come from here, and if you really want to be smart, we all come from somewhere else, you fucking idiots. But Unless they you're don't a Native care. American, you're from somewhere else at some point, right? It's a fucking joke. Um, yeah, the Karens, man, they're they're taking over their own movement, and it's not a good one. Karens um, and the Chads, don't be either one of those. Yeah, <laughs> you please don't. Yeah, that's a or a shithead a, boomer. What are what are the other social media terms? Twenty <laughs> 2020's produced a lot of them, bro. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty interesting week for our president i know we really went at him last week uh rightfully so and i'm gonna do it again um now he had planned to have a rally a MAGA rally on june 19th in tulsa oklahoma uh as of friday night he decided that it was not the best course of action surprise surprise seeing as how june 19th is juneteenth which is the holiday commemorating the end of slavery in the u.s so after some african-american friends of his and said hey maybe this isn't a great idea he moved postponed it to the day after another thing whether you want to give him any semblance of credit which you know i am not going to do i know you're not going to do either tulsa oklahoma is a very interesting place to do that because you talk about history that is well covered and documented in this country that is the site of the oklahoma of the tulsa massacre in 1921 where quote-unquote black wall street was burned to the ground and upwards of 300 possible i mean it's still skeptical so how many it was but up to at least 300 plus african-americans were slaughtered basically by white people coming into tulsa so not a great place to do this during this whole time uh, my thoughts on it yours um just status quo just rolling with the same thing for trump he's Honestly, just not a good human being. He's just a piece of shit, and he's running our country. Another thing he did this week that was very nice was uh, just two weeks into Pride Month, and on the anniversary, no less, of the Pulse nightclub shooting four years ago in Orlando, uh, he announced that his administration would roll back an Obama-era health care protection for people who are transgender, basically taking away a lot of their health care and their protection. So love something it. that love it, man. doesn't okay. need to be done, but he's just going for it, man. It's fucking unbelievable how you wonder where that money's like gonna go. Oh my god! Because it's not gonna I... go to the fight of Corona. Well, no. I mean, you'd have to believe in science for that. Yeah, or global warming. Right. So definitely, uh, yeah. I mean, obviously, we hate being like super political that's not what people are listening to again just open your eyes and recognize how wrong and fucked up this shit is you can't make it and up. for all the people because really i get it sometimes for people that listen to the pod that just want to bust my balls and i know they're joking but like don't call us libs because like i'm not a lib i don't no. know about where you lie but I, i'm registered as an independent i'm far from a lib when it comes to a lot of social topics but I mean, it's not Democrat or Republican for us, and we're not shitting on the Republican Party. It's just being, you know, morality and right and wrong and all that good stuff. Just being a genuinely good human. That's all we try to do, right? That's all we've tried to do on these conversations. I mean, we're not trying to get you to vote one way or the other. We're telling you to vote for the right thing and the right person. Somebody that's not going to pull this kind of crap. 
somebody that's not going to divide to divide us constantly. Mm-hmm. That's all we're saying. Republican Democrat just pick the right one. We know the right one that we have to go for in November. It's crazy. It, it's you just can't make this shit up, and that's been happening for four years. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, man. All right, it's man. Tough stuff. Anything else you want to cover on that? Uh, by the way, we got some pretty good feedback from last week. Um, promise we're not going to make every pod like this, but just with what's going on, we have to address it. So uh, I felt we'd pretty be, good with that. We'd be ignorant to be silent, right? Very, very well said. Very well said. Um, anything else you want to talk about this or you want to get into what's going on in the sports world? No, I think we've said enough. Just get out there and vote in November. Don't forget about this. Even with sports coming back and all that other good stuff, don't forget. Don't forget, guys. All right, so speaking of sports, and we're going to cross over here again. We got a little issue in the potential bubble, my friend. Um, Players are not all that excited about some of the terms and policies that are going to be going on here because they felt like they weren't really addressed when the Board of Governors and the GMs approved this plan. Um, so, to me, I, I want to get your take on it. Are they, upset like about, are they upset about not being able to ride the rides at Disney? Is that what it is? Well, that obviously has to be point number one. We talked about it last week. That's a big issue. But what do you, what do you think? Do you think these guys should have been more educated when these meetings were going on? Do you think that they didn't take accountability to really figure out what was going to be happening or not? Or do you think that they're just more aware of it now and they're like, oh, shit, this actually isn't a great call? Um, I think it's a little bit of everything. I mean, obviously, if, if you're going to commit to playing these games and they have uh, a semblance of a plan in place, maybe not completed, I think before you agree to anything, it's like it's like anything else in the world. You know, you can't complain after you sign. You kind of got to read the fine print, right? I mean, you sign the contract, you know? Um, yeah, yeah, I, I kind of wanted to know what the players, you know, the, the most important players were obviously counseled through this. So yeah. why wasn't the rank and file more knowledgeable about it? Yeah, absolutely. And if Chris Paul knows, then the rest of the league should know, right? That's how I feel, man. And I don't know what his comments on were, were on it, but I think the NBA is pretty transparent, and they probably had a plan locked in in place. Um, I think it was probably pretty buttoned up if they're going to get to the point where they're going to bring it to the players to – to essentially vote on it and, and say they're ready to go. So I think it just had to be better communicated from the top down. I agree with you totally. Um, Mark Stein had a piece uh, in his column today in the New York Times talking about how this week ahead is going to be a very big week uh, to make sure that this plan actually gets the traction it needs to for training camps to start in, in uh, early July. Because Kyrie Irving led a call on Friday night uh, – with about 150 players. The vice president, huh? The vice president. And, of course, it's Kyrie, right? Like, during this whole time, the contrarian is going to be doing this. And he, he felt like because of the racial injustice and the protesting, how it's been so at the forefront of our minds, he was not all that happy. In fact, his quote was, I don't support going. I'm not with the systemic racism and all that bullshit. Something smells a little fishy to me. So I guess his point is, once basketball restarts and the playoffs are going on, the national attention will shift from the the protests and fight against racial injustice to just basketball. Yeah, I don't necessarily agree with him, but I, I see his point. 
Well, I don't know if I agree with him either, but the thing is, we don't know. We don't. We're not. We don't have a crystal ball in front of us. We're not going to be able to. We're not going to be able to predict that. And honestly, I have to lean towards Kyrie on this one because, in this country, I think part of the reason, whether it's right or not, it's just a fact. Part of the reason why this has taken, in a, gone in such a positive way and carried on, is because there's nothing going on right now, and everybody is informed on it because there's nothing else for them to look at, right? Totally, and and this totally. country is is an immediate gratification onto the next one country, right? So I think when things start getting back to where they were and, and we see some normalcy, yeah, this possibly might get put on the back burner. And I I understand and and kind of support his his concern for it. Obviously, I want the NBA back, but I mean, Stephen Jackson had a big thing out too. It's you got to keep your eye on the prize here. Yeah, I think that his comments is a a bit of an indictment on the general uh, focus (laughs) and attention span of the American people, which I think is fair because like you said, we are an instant gratification country and we're kind of move on to the next one. We see how much on the back burner we've put COVID. Um, Austin Rivers replied to Kyrie with interesting, I'm not going to read the whole quote because it's kind of long, but you'll get the point of it is he's saying, Trying to find the correlation, U.S. coming back would be putting, or us coming back rather, would be putting money in all of our pockets. With this money, you could help out even more people and continue to give more importantly your time and energy towards the Black Lives Matter movement, which I'm on, which I'm 100% on board with. So, from his style, from his standpoint, is we're going to have the national platform. People are going to be craving sports, and here's a bunch of successful Black athletes who are going to have media clamoring for them to talk and they can use that platform to continue to keep the black lives matter movement uh on the forefront of the american mind absolutely and i think there'll be some some protests during the game from major players whether it be taking a knee during the national anthem i don't know if you can do that in the nba but i think they're going to do something um yeah, I, I agree. I think that there's a, a way to do this where you can play and you can play basketball and other sports and still remind everybody of the the task at hand, which there's two major tasks right now. It's you know getting the COVID down and obviously um, getting rid of the systemic and systematic racism in this country. Yeah, totally, and keeping keeping your mind on that and being as empowered as we have been the last few weeks, but going forward for the next few weeks and into the NBA playoffs and into the fall and throughout holiday season, not never letting it go throughout obviously the election. But I do I understand think- Kyrie's concern on this one. He says a lot of weird shit that I don't necessarily agree with or sometimes even understand. Um, but with that being said, in the, in this case, I do agree with his concern because Again, this country's got a track record of just moving on from things a little too quickly. I agree with it, too. And he's always kind of been the guy that has really disliked the perception that fans look at these, look at him and the rest of the athletes as commodities, right? Well, like now's their opportunity. And I know, I know he's already come out, and I think he said he's not going to play, along with his running mate, Kevin Durant. Um, which I understand and I totally support just because what's the point? If you don't think you're going to be able to win a title 
why risk injury and, and risk the rest of your career? Totally support that. But um, with that being said, I think now's an opportunity for the rest of the league to, to be able to remind everybody of that, like we just said. Yeah, totally, man. I, I'm with you. I think it's Use good that, that platform because you're going to be – you guys in the, in the NHL – unless baseball which we're going to talk about a little bit later can get this figured out you guys are only going to be the only show in town right and what's a more powerful statement than being able to see these wonderful athletes who are also incredibly well spoken and very empowered having an opportunity to not only talk about the games be the center stage but continue to keep this at the forefront of the American mind and make sure that we're going out protesting still, making sure that we're staying as educated as we possibly can. I mean, the NBA, as far as players are concerned, probably the most, probably the most brilliant and also probably the most socially aware of all of the generalized players in, across the major sports, right? So this Absolutely. is a tremendous opportunity for them to get their message out and play the game that we love to see them play. Yeah, no doubt about it. I, I think that that goes without saying. Um, if you don't understand that, then you clearly don't watch enough sports or follow it enough to know that the NBA is basically the most, I'll give you another social media term, quote-unquote woke. Um, yep. So, yeah, why don't we – Why don't we? I think we're both on the same page. I think they should play, and I think they should use this platform and take advantage of all this – um, gained attention that they're going to have if they do play. Um, what are some of the, the health concerns and whatnot? Well, basically, the, the major issue is that the players are going to have to be sequestered, quarantined, kept up, however, whatever term you want to use, in this bubble. They're not going to be allowed to ride the rides. They're not going to be able to go out. They're not going to be able to go do a bunch of shit. But the people that work in the hotels, the people that work in the restaurants, the people that are working in the facilities, they can come and go as they please, those employees. So what the players are saying is, is how is that as safe as possible? That's not as safe as possible. You're keeping us in, but you're not keeping the others in. I think family wouldn't be allowed to join until August 8th, so there'd be about a week period there where it would only be the players. So I can understand their concerns. And yeah, by the way... By the way, before you go on, the the numbers I'm sure you've seen of COVID cases in Florida have been rising. So that's another big point of contention. Yeah, down the Bible Belt and down south, down south there, I think it absolutely has been rising. Um, I just think that was inevitable. The the you know they were a little lackadaisical down there when it came to COVID. Um, not to mention that everything is just going to move in that way when it comes to a virus. So I'm I'm really not surprised that they're growing. Um, with that being said, I don't really know what to do. I don't know if they have enough rooms. I don't know Disney World and all that area that well to where they could put up every single employee. It basically create a true bubble. I don't know if they could do that. Um, that might be the only way to make it truly fair. And I don't know how that's going to happen. I don't know how it's going to happen either. I mean, that's been the biggest issue with all these sports, trying to figure out when to come back and how to do it properly. Because when yeah. you get a group of a couple hundred, maybe to a thousand people, I mean, you're just not going to be able to keep tabs on them the entire time. And you don't want to treat these guys like children because they're not. Most of them have families. They have money. They, they don't want to be told, you can't go you know grab a bite to eat outside of this bubble. That's very restraining and something that a lot of players don't want to be a part of, especially guys on teams 
that are just there to finish off a regular season in that formality. You know, why would mm-hmm. they take those extra risks? You heard Carmelo Anthony voice's opinions on that, and Dame Lillard as well. I mean, at some point, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to agree upon it because not everybody can stay in the bubble. I mean, unless they have all the hotel rooms, and then you think about the people delivering food and and all the other things. Like at some point, people are gonna have to come in and out of this quote unquote bubble. Oh yeah, and it's just that's been the biggest problem figuring this whole thing out the whole time and why it's taken so long to figure out a plan. So I can understand the players. I mean, they might be more more woke to it now than they were a couple weeks ago, but I still think the players on teams who believe they have a legitimate shot at the championship are going to be eager to go and figure it out. Yeah, we're going to have to see how it plays out. Like you said, this week is big. Um, there haven't been any rumblings yet, but aside from players speaking out, but there hasn't been any progress or going backwards either just because it's a Sunday, and I think they're going to wait a couple days. Yeah, and that meeting with Kyrie and the 150 players just came Friday night. And Kyrie did say, just everybody listening, in case you didn't know, he did say, if y'all want to go, I support it and we'll go. So he wasn't you know, trying to say, like, it's this way or it's my way or the highway. It was, I just want to get the pulse. I want to make sure you guys know where I'm coming from hear what you guys got to say but if the general consensus is let's go then let's go and it sounds like that's what's going to happen yeah absolutely and if he's going to go then more power to him because he's had a history of uh just doing his own thing so i definitely appreciate that that's a good sign for your brooklyn nets maybe a little bit of maturity from Kyrie. you like that it's an interesting thing because i read a lot uh actually Woj had a piece friday night as this call was going on calling Kyrie a quote the quote-unquote disruptor and how he's been at odds with LeBron over some of these things and whatever. And, you know, it definitely is a big issue with Kyrie. People don't understand him. I mean, I, I don't think that you could create this. You'd have to create this guy in a lab if you wanted another one because he's just so freaking different. He's had a tough year. I mean, first year in Brooklyn, but he gets hurt. And then Kobe passes away, who he was as close with as anybody. And then he tries to come back and he's surgery. Um, it's just been a rough it's been a rough run for him so trying to figure out what's going to happen next is is going to be interesting well if Kyrie's listening to the pod we're going to talk about some of your better moments later on so keep listening Kyrie. that's right um, we love you Kyrie yes um I do love Kyrie probably not as I much as you too. at this point but I do love Kyrie he's uh, just a fucking weird guy and he's too smart for his own good but all of his points are valid whether you agree with him or not hey listen Sometimes being smart bites you in the ass, but uh, more power to him. Yep, he's definitely very, uh, he's definitely very, very empowered by what's going on in the country right now, and that's something that's admirable. If you want, to, if you can't agree on anything about Kyrie, I think you can agree that that's pretty great. Absolutely, man. Um, but I do think they should play and take advantage of this platform. That's all. Me too. As long as they can get it figured out and get it as safe as possible. Because unless we all just board up and because me I like I went on Friday I I gotta ask you later how your drinks went I went on Friday to to a happy hour we had dinner outside on the on the Hudson River it, it was lovely but you know what that's not the safest thing for me to do either and the safest thing for all of us to do is just stay inside our houses and never leave but that's just right. unrealistic 
it's unrealistic, especially when, you know, we're adults with our own money. We're not adults with families, you know, our own families yet, and or adults with millions upon millions of dollars who are used to being able to literally go do whatever the hell you want whenever you want. Yeah. So that's a tough that's a tough pill to swallow if you're some of these guys. You're really going to have to buy into the program. Um, but, yeah, I agree with you. Uh, they should play, and I think that is what's going to happen. But it's cool that they've talked about these issues. The NBA is always great with that, especially the players. One thing that's not great is baseball. Obviously, another week, another bunch of bullshit. Before we jump uh, into Major League Baseball as a whole, oh yeah, sure, I think uh, I think we have to talk about this Yankees thing, man. I mean, it made news yesterday. Um, I don't know how big of a deal it is. I know you're you're t- you're definitely tapped into the Yankees. So why don't you give us a little background? Um, apparently, there's been some stories came out that the Yankees were actually the one to create this whole cheating thing all along. Well, the sign-stealing letter uh, that Rob Manfred addressed to Brian Cashman and the Yankees, uh, I believe it was in 2017, with reports of alleged sign-stealing mechanisms in place and designs from 2015 through 2017. That letter by a judge is being asked to be reopened, um, and Cashman, obviously, and the Yankees are furious about it because this is three years removed now. I don't know what's going to happen. I mean... Listen, I think through this whole process, you and I have been pretty forthright. Would it surprise us if the Yankees did it? No. But you can't take something from three years ago without reason and reopen it. But Beltron was on the 2015 team. He was there for half of 2016. A lot of young players who came up during that time and became stars going into 17, I'm sure, used him as a, uh, used him as a, as a confidant, as a mentor. So I wouldn't be shocked. I yeah, just, I don't. I don't like the taste of it. I definitely wouldn't be shocked either. But the only thing that throws me off is how um, adamant and how I guess strong Judge came at the Astros and the Red Sox with the sign stealing thing. Um, that's the reason why I thought the Yankees didn't do it again. We said that we wouldn't be surprised, but I mean Judge coming out saying that shitting on these guys basically. For, for cheating and then turning around and possibly being a part of it himself would be pretty interesting. It would be. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't be shocked because that's kind of human nature, right? As long as you're not getting caught, you love being the one to shit on the guys that get caught, especially if they beat you, which the Red Sox and Astros did. I agree uh, with you, but, I mean, if you if you did do it yourself too, I mean, usually people are also going to say hush-hush because it's like I don't want to say anything because I just don't want my name in this at all. Well, it's, I did also do entire, it. it's also entirely possible that they did it in 15 and early part of 16 when he wasn't even up yet. So it, it depends on how far this runs and how deep this runs and what years was it most prominent. I have no idea what to think because this is something that should have been put on the back burner and not reopened. It's kind of what that uh, – what was the report that came out? The Mitchell report, right, with a lot of those steroid guys. They, they never should have been released – with saying that Alex Rodriguez or Barry Bonds or Roger Clemens took steroids when they were supposed to be anonymous. So that kind of shit always bothers me. But baseball, nothing nothing surprises me with their inability to keep things quiet. And if it turns out that the Yankees did do it and they get in trouble, you know what? We're going to find out about probably 15 or 16 other teams. I think that's what Rob Manfred really wanted to institutionalize with his, pe- with his penalties to Houston because I think he knows that this ran a lot deeper than the Astros, Red Sox, Yankees, and 
other teams. I'm sure. My question the is, majority their, of the league was doing it. What would their penalty be? Because they got caught later, but they committed the crime earlier. I don't even know. It's hard to speculate. We know the players aren't going to get anything. Yeah. Oh, they'll catch And if this was stopped, if this was stopped in 17 and 18 and 19 and there's no proof of anything, you can't really punish them. Yep. Maybe kick Beltron out of the game, right? Because he would be the common denominator for all three teams here that could have been caught. Mm, That's tough. I mean, he did quickly lose that manager job, so he's already out. Right, but you could place a ban on it. Yep. Because he started this with the Yankees, then brought it to Houston, and then Cora had it with Boston. I mean, that's a very widespread conspiracy right there. Yep, absolutely. Then we'll have to so go back knows? in time and look at the Mets, what he played for them, and, and whoever else. Baseball Cardinals he teams, was on. Yep. Baseball teams, dude, always try to get an advantage. I never thought for a second it was only the Astros or Red Sox. No, neither did I, and we said that the whole time. Exactly. So who who fucking knows? We'll we'll have to see. But I, something is in poor taste that they're reopening this invest. Not even an investigation. I think it's just a letter that Manfred sent to the Yankees saying, "Cut the shit out. We know what you're doing." Yeah, absolutely. So who the hell knows? Uh, but what we do know is baseball is not really anywhere closer to being played. Two more proposals, one on each side, got turned down this week. And here we go. It's just status quo with this shit. Yep. Ah, well, so where are we standing right now? Because they're throwing out offers and stuff. I don't know if you saw the Andrew McCutcheon video making fun of it. Um, it was pretty good. I didn't see his. I saw, I think it was Trevor Williams or something, uh, pitcher for the Pirates. Uh, baseball apparently said you have until Sunday to, to accept this offer. And he tweeted out, he's like, we refused when you hit send. So that's the kind of shit that's going on here between the two sides. Well, Here's what's going to happen. The MLB is just repackaging a bunch of bullshit and changing the words. That's 100% what it is, man. That's exactly right. I mean, here's the shit. They're going to play 48 or 52 games mandated by Rob Manfred. The players are going to get full pro rata. For, their, for every game that they play. There's going to be expanded playoffs. There's going to be possibly upper uh, opportunity for revenue in the postseason, particularly if fans are allowed in the games by then. And that's how it's going to be, which is how it was going to be. You can't ask players because this recent proposal, and I'm going to get your take on it because I'm sure you're going to be hot about it. I'm sick and tired of people blaming the players. I know there's still a lot of them out there. I know we haven't, but – there's a lot of people blaming the players. And let me put this in perspective if you're one of those guys, okay? This most recent proposal by Major League Baseball was of an 82-game schedule, all right, for the players to play at 70%, upper to 80% of what their prorated salary would be. Now, if you just do basic math, which I can't do, but I listen to people who can, Mm. there is no difference. (laughs) There is no difference in the amount of money that the players would get if they played 52 games at full prorated salaries or at 82 games with the 70 to 80% of of their prorated salaries. So essentially what Major League Baseball in this most recent proposal asked the players to do is play 30 games for free. Now you tell me how that sounds. I don't care how much you love a goddamn game. You're going to go out and risk a chance to get hurt, maybe still go through a, a potential issue with COVID, 
you're going to play 30 games for free? No, you're going to play 52 for the money you deserve, and that's how it's going to be. This is fucking ridiculous. Well, I'm just waiting to get there then, huh? It's just a fucking shit show. And the anger, I mean, everybody, even people who love baseball, are so sick and tired of this. And if we get hockey and we get basketball, we've got golf going on, we got a lot of other distractions, you know football is going to plow forward. As much as we love baseball, I'm fucking sick and tired of it. Just shut up and play, and if you're not going to do that, just shut up and don't play. Yeah, and I feel like that's more directed at the owners than it is the players saying shut up and play because that's a hot that's a hot button sentence right there. Um, that is. But yeah, I agree with you, and I mean, listen, if if they decide to play what the eighty games or whatever, I, I wouldn't be. I I think it'd be cool to just watch some of the players sit out exactly thirty of them. <laughs> that would be, That'd be awesome. Great. Get some replacement players in there. Yeah, and the thing is, is the players are going to play. So anybody that speculates a possible strike, that's not going to happen because they're in the middle of this collective bargaining agreement. So you can't strike during an agreed-to year. Plus, are they going to piss away all this money that they're fighting so hard for? No. So they're going to play. It's going to be 50 games. We can decide if that's a true testament of a season or not. There will be a postseason. Hopefully the Yankees win and they're fully healthy. And that's it. But it's just gotten so ugly, and it bears a lot of bad news for a possible 2021 season. I'll fucking tell you that. Yeah, absolutely. I just hope that they can eventually agree upon these 50 games, 52 games, whatever it may be, and move on. Well, they don't even have to agree upon it. The commissioner just... No, I know. I would just like the owners to stop sending bullshit offers when the bottom line is let's just mandate it and do the 52 and spread it out and... Get the playoffs rolling and figure out a safe way to do this. Because that seems like the only fair way we can get there now with these players. Yeah, it certainly does. And I'm just tired of it. It it just sucks. It's constant bad news. You know nothing's going to get done. So just do this. Just mandate it and get it done. Totally. You're a CEO. You know how it works. Well, I would tell all these owners, if I was running this league, these players aren't going to sign to anything uh, unless you offer them more money. And if you're gonna, if they're going to play 80 games, pay them for their full 80 games, the prorated salary of that. And then if not, I'm going to, you know what, I'll give you a week to decide. If not, I'm going to do what's good for the game. And I'm going to mandate the 52-game schedule, and we're going to figure it out from there, and you guys are going to fucking suck it up. And if you go bankrupt, then you know what? You had a good 20-year run. Bud Selig's not here anymore. I'm going to get somebody better in here to run this team. It's your fault that you're bankrupt. I love that take because the owners who are bitching and moaning about possibly having to lose their franchise or they're losing so much money, then you're a fucking bad owner. You didn't do a good job. I'm sorry. That's not – that's not you shouldn't be buying baseball teams if if one year is going to knock you out. I'm pretty sure the Steinbrenners aren't concerned. Of that, or the Lerner family in Washington are not concerned about one year not being played and losing their team. They'll be fine. Absolutely, nor the Dodgers. Nor the Dodgers, yeah. Absolutely not. Yeah, no, um, I don't think they're worried at all, and those are good owners. That's a strong ownership group, you know? So, I mean, these guys that have figured out a way to stay in the league with basically no money liquid-wise and, and just assets on paper – it's time for them to go anyways. Eventually, they're going to lose it, so let's just speed up the process. You made a really good point when you addressed that, I think it was like last month, right, when we were talking about this. 
Yeah. Baseball ownership money is so much different than any other ownership money in professional sports. Yeah, because it's not actually money. Yeah. Pretty fascinating. I think that's important for, for people to know and recognize. And like you said, if they lose their team, then that's their fault. You bring in somebody stronger, more wealthy with actual assets and money, and then they can hopefully prop up these teams. I'm tired of the small market shit. Between revenue sharing and everything else, you should be able to produce a pretty good product. And look at what happened with the Nationals when the Learners came in and bought that team. Now they're the, they're the wealthiest baseball team. Uh, well, they're the wealthiest owners of any baseball team in major league baseball. So there's your answer. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely, man. And the nationals are not going anywhere. No, they're not. No, they're not. All right, man. You ready to get this game going? I am buddy. You want to, you want to introduce it for everybody? <clears throat> 2016 NBA finals game seven final deciding game. Of course, Cavaliers against the golden state warriors, golden state warriors at home, Coming off a championship against the Cavaliers the year before, I remember from if I remember right. Um, and this series has only gone this far because in game what was it five? Draymond Green punched LeBron in the balls. That would be correct. And he was subsequently suspended for game six. I actually, check that. No, he was game four, so he was suspended for game five, and then he did not play well in game six. Yep. Um, well, he played incredibly in this game, as we'll talk about. Um, he probably had the best game of his career. Um, yeah, so that set up a Game 7 deciding game for the Cavaliers and the Warriors, and we all know how it ended. We all know how it ended. This was also the Warriors team that set the all-time record for regular season wins with 73. Mm -hmm. uh, they took a 3-1 lead in this series by blowing out Cleveland three times, and then... They, Cleveland got their run in Game 5. Both LeBron and Kyrie had 41. It was the first time ever that two players on the same team scored 40 points or more uh, in a finals game. They win that Game 6. Uh, Draymond was playing tentative, and then they go back to Golden State for Game 7. One thing that was interesting here, man, was heading into Game 7, both teams had the exact same point totals at 610. That was the first time ever. Yeah. So I think, honestly given the Draymond getting hurt, and just this game in general is one of the most evenly matched finals. It was. A couple blowouts tucked in here and there, but and if you watch this game, it was one of the most back-and-forth games there ever was, too. Lots of great flow to this game, and one thing, too, to, to remember that about is um, in 2015, LeBron had to do it on his own because both K-Love and Kyrie were hurt. So this year, both of them were healthy and playing well, particularly Kyrie. Yeah, absolutely. He was playing well. I mean, I wrote down, I think I think it's crazy because so far throughout their careers, you're talking th three superstar possible Hall of Fame players had their signature signature moment in this game, being LeBron, Kyrie, and um, Kevin Love. Great point, yeah. Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, I think Kevin Love's aggressiveness in this game really set the tone because they were they were getting abused by threes in the first half in this game. I think Golden State hit 12, counting five from Draymond. Yeah, and I think remember Cleveland when Draymond was one could of shoot? 13. 
he could shoot, man. And he got a lot of open looks in that first half, too. And he was shooting with a lot of confidence. But I liked what Caleb was doing. He was being aggressive on the boards. He was getting some tough offensive rebounds and getting to the free throw line. And that was a big step in the right direction for them winning this game eventually because he was kind of not, he was a non factor for a lot of the games in the series. Yeah, I, I definitely. And I think this game would have been a blowout had Draymond Green not had the game of his life because. Steph Curry and Klay Thompson did not play well. No, they didn't, um, and especially late in the game. I mean, Steph had some really bad, uncharacteristic turnovers, particularly that attempted behind-the-back pass in the fourth quarter. Uh, that kind of gave Cleveland the life that they needed. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you want to jump into the first half? Sure. I mean – just some of the acknowledgments we've already made, right? Draymond was shooting like he was Reggie Miller or that he was Steph Curry. Uh, Clay and Steph were kind of finding their way. I mean, they did hit a bunch of threes in the first half. I think they hit 12, even Leandro Barbosa hit one. Yeah. Uh, Festus Azili started this game, and he was pretty aggressive early on. And Cleveland was just weathering the storm. In the second quarter there, you got a lot of good ebb and flow, a lot of traditional threes by Golden State and then either Kyrie or LeBron would come back down the floor and make an and one so there was a nice flow to this game particularly in the middle towards the end of the second quarter absolutely yeah Kyrie had a couple incredible and ones in the first half LeBron just out muscled everyone um you mentioned Azili. um Bogut had gotten hurt earlier in this series and he was playing pretty well one of the better players one of the better passing big men as well as a good help defender and a good team defender and to lose him. I think he was another big reason why, um, aside from obviously Draymond getting suspended, I think he was another big reason why they did not win this series, him getting hurt. Cause I know you said Azili played aggressively, but it didn't really help. He ended up with zero points, one rebound, one assist in 11 minutes. So he didn't play much. No, he didn't. And we and got was, some and LeBron was just, he ended up in the first quarter having to guard LeBron a lot for some reason, and LeBron abused him, as he should. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, we got a little bit of uh, we got a little bit of Anderson Varejao in this game. Yeah, eight minutes, uh, a point, and an assist. Good for him. There you go. Listen, we'll, Their we'll take it. Their bench sucked. They were really trying to just do Aside from Sean Livingston, who had a good game with eight points in 16 minutes, um, their bench was terrible. I mean, unless you want to count, I don't really count Andre Iguodala as a bench player, even though he came off the bench. He played 38 minutes. He only had four points, nine rebounds, four assists, but his his impact is on the defensive side of the ball because he probably has defended LeBron throughout his career better than anyone. Oh, yeah, for sure. And this was also the stretch where Harrison Barnes just – I think he was a ghost to this entire series, right? I mean, they were mentioning it on the broadcast that he was really struggling with his confidence. He, yep. hit, a, he hit a three early, but you, he was just missing everything, and it was just one of those funks that a player goes through where they're they're on the floor way too much, but they're not impactful at all. Yeah, and I think looking at it from Steph, uh, Clay, and, and Draymond, they're just like, all right, well, even if we lose, this dude's out of here and we're getting KD because they had already – basically signed, sealed, and delivered him. They were talking to him throughout the entire season. Um, it came out later on. And the reason they got KD was, one, the cap jumped randomly. 
uh, for one season, and two, they lost this game because I don't think KD comes if they win this game. I think he still does because really? he really wanted to play, and when you hear KD talk about going there, they were talking about it during the season. They were even talking about it during the Western Conference Final, and and uh, Steph was recruiting him hard. Yeah. So I, I think that you know you get a guy like a Harrison Barnes who's a very nice player and was a nice piece of on that team that got them to eventually being a championship team in 2015. He had a good year in 16. But I, I think even if they win this game, Katie's going. His mind was pretty much made up that he wanted to play in that system. So. Interesting take. I just don't know if I, even like given the optic of them winning this many games, they still lost. I don't know if he would have gone to a winner. But, hey, we'll never know, right? We'll never know. He history is, is he's history. He's also a guy that doesn't give a shit about that show that stuff that's why i have the take i have very true um the bench on the cavaliers team throughout the first and second half played a lot better shumpert six points but if you watch the game he played great defense richard jefferson i know he only had two points but a real huge game for him his career was all but over going to san antonio and dallas and whatnot your guy from the nets and then he kind of reinvigorated himself um, in Golden State and then moving on to Cleveland. Um, and, and he was great defensively. They played him a lot at center. Um, he did a good job defending the rim. I, I thought he had a great game. That old wily vet, right, that mm-hmm. a lot of championship teams have. I mean, he played 25 and a half minutes, but LeBron, I know, really wanted him on that team because of what he could do defensively and just keep things afloat when the ship is sinking a little bit, right? So one guy I totally forgot was on this team. He actually played almost five minutes. Bo Williams was on this team. Yeah, he got himself a layup early in the game. Um, Mo Williams, I think, is more remembered. He made that one all-star team for the early on Cavs before LeBron went to uh, Miami where he he could score with the best of them. But then on this team, obviously, he's not even a role player. He's... I don't even know. He's just on the team, I guess. Yeah, they did that a lot with these kind of guys. So did Golden State. I think this was really the beginning. Maybe not the beginning, but we're certainly in the, the stages of guys whose careers were over that were had no problem being a part of a potential championship team, playing two or three minutes a game, maybe scoring a point here or there, but just Absolutely. trying to get that chip. Another guy off the bench who had his head screwed on straight, played really good defense in this series, and hit a shot when needed was JR. He was always capable of that, man. He just never did it, but in this series he decided to. <laughs> really good defender, obviously a great athlete, and he could shoot from anywhere in the gym, and he decided to do it in this series. And in this game, he had 12 points, he had a couple threes. Um, and then Richard Jefferson just had a great series overall, just talking about him. I mean, I think he dunked on somebody earlier in the series, a little throwback moment there, and he's just the type of player that you do win championships with. For sure, and he really wanted one at this point. He hadn't had one in his career. I mean, he was on a call. He came into a net situation that that team was going, went to the finals his first two years, were perennially a deep playoff team, and then he leaves and he never really had a shot. And like you said, he, was, he goes to San Antonio, really bottoms out there, goes to Golden State, rejuvenates himself a little bit, then goes to Cleveland and is really, hey, listen, I just want to get a title. He probably never thought he'd be playing as much as he did. 
but he was ready for it, and he wanted that title. I'm happy as hell for him. Yeah, and he's doing a great job post-career in the booth with the Nets and, and doing some other things. Tristan Thompson uh, had a quiet game rebounding-wise, but there this series was a big series for him. I think he got a fat contract out of it because he was just dominant on the offensive and defensive boards. Um, and that's pretty much every all the supporting cast for the Cavs, but the guys that were important were the big three. Yeah, for sure. I mean, four offensive rebounds by Kevin Love, especially when they needed them early. I know Jackson and Van Gundy were talking about it a little bit in the early part of the game. I wonder what your takes were. He was saying that, or they both were saying rather, that his his style of play was starting to become antiquated because of how the three-point ball was going. This was only his second year in uh, in Cleveland, and you just I thought it was an interesting acknowledgement seeing as how much the game changed in two or three years. Yeah, I agree with you, but, I mean, he did, he decided to learn how to knock down a three, right? He did, yeah. And but he's playing more, back to the basket. He's more, of an, he's more of an outside-in player now that can still grab a lot of rebounds. That's why he's made some all-star teams post this 2016 finals, and he's still a max player. He got a huge contract last year. Uh, I got to give him credit for changing up his game and his body. Me too. Yeah, because the way that they were talking about him, I mean, he really had to just be, you're going to let Kyrie and LeBron do their thing, right? And JR, you know, whatever he can contribute, you have a day where you live with him being cold as ice because you know he could be hot. And then you're really asking Caleb here to set some good screens and be a bully down low, get to the free throw line, grab some tough boards, get some second chance opportunities. And he rose to the occasion and felt like he really embraced that style of play in this game, particularly with Draymond being being a real enforcer too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Draymond's the only one on the on the Golden State Warriors that had a good game at all. I mean, and Draymond, like I said earlier, had the game of his life. I mean, thirty two points, nine rebounds, or excuse me, fifteen rebounds and nine assists in forty seven minutes. Not to mention just being Draymond on the defensive end, being a floor general on that side. Um, he did it all. And having 22 in the first half. Yeah. He was the only reason why they were in this game the entire time. Great game for him. I'm not going to say that he made up for the suspension in the game six following. Um, obviously because they lost, but he did damn near everything he could to try and drag them to a championship. Well, right, because remember, if you think about Game 6, he was playing really tentatively and he in that game in Cleveland, and the Cavs kind of just exploited him because they knew, okay, you're back from your suspension, you're up 3-2, you're probably not going to push the envelope. Well, they just game. antagonized him. Right, so now you have a Game 7 where what are you concerned about getting suspended for? you got no other games. So he was really just unleashed. Yeah, absolutely. If he could only play like that every night with a little control of his emotions, he would be incredible. But part of that's what makes him great. Absolutely. Sometimes you can't rein him in. Yeah, and I think that's the reason why he's had such a great career, being a low second-round draft pick and not as talented as some of these other guys. Totally agree. And you had two, as we move on here, you had two of the most iconic moments in really basketball history on the same team by two guys, you have the block by LeBron on Iggy, and you have the shot, Kyrie on Steph. Yeah, I let's mean, talk about that moments. because that's when that's when I kind of um, that's when I kind of wrote a few things down here because it happened 
all three signature plays for these guys who all three are might be future Hall of Famers, including Kevin Love, because he's had a great career numbers-wise. Oh, he's a Hall of Famer for sure. Um, and, and all three of these players, including LeBron, who is the second best player of all time, um, I don't think there's really much debate there. All three of them had their signature plays within, I don't know, a f- four minutes left in the game. S- probably less, because LeBron had, yeah, less. They had it within two minutes. Cause minute LeBron, 50. Yeah, LeBron had the block with a minute 51 left on a, I believe it was a Steph Curry picking a ball off, and then him throwing a cross-court pass, a nice threading the needle pass to... Uh, to Andre Iguodala. Andre Iguodala looks like he has a clear layup as long as he can get around J.R. Smith. And LeBron comes flying from basically half court out of nowhere, head up at the rim, pins the ball off the backboard. Then a few seconds go by. Curry has a brick. Um, this was not a good game for Curry's legacy. Let's just say that. He, did, he just hit glass. He didn't even hit rim on a three he took. I believe they call a timeout, Cleveland does. It's, what, 89-89, I think it is? Yeah. Um, and then Kyrie Irving gets the play called for him. Obviously, his signature play following LeBron's, um, he does a little crossover step back three that Mark Jackson has already said he hits all the time. Well, it doesn't matter if he hits it all the time. It matters if he hits it there, and this is the biggest shot of his career, and I don't think he's going to be able to – hit one bigger unless he hits a game winner at the buzzer in an NBA Finals, hopefully for your Brooklyn Nets. That's Um, right. So that's his signature play, and obviously an incredible play. And then coming back down on defense after a timeout, Kevin Love has his signature play in his career where he straight up for about 14 seconds locks up Steph Curry, forces him into a pass, forces Curry into a pass to Harrison Barnes, then Harrison Barnes gets it back to Curry. Curry tries to cook again. Kevin Love is planted on defense. Um, and I believe at the end of the shot clock, Curry throws up a desperation three that hits nothing. And Kevin Love just played incredible defense for, I'd probably say, 14 to 16 seconds. Tremendous breakdown there, man. When I hope you don't leave us for Sports Center or something. Thank um, you. Thank you. Yeah, d- yeah dude. Uh, it really was meant for Cleveland, right? I mean, we see this happen in sports so much. And I remember watching this game and you still believe Steph's going to make the shot. You, you, you know, Cleveland's a, even though you've got LeBron James, Kyrie's not Kyrie yet. He's just a great player, but the, he hasn't taken on that next persona. And Cleveland's known for nothing but fucking heartbreak. And, Golden State, there's no way that this greatest regular season team of all time, coming back from 3-1 down in the West Finals to Oklahoma City, is going to lose Game 7 at home. There's just no way. Yep. And for these three guys, their big three, to come together in successive possessions and do what they did on the road, it really is a signature moment for all three of them. Particularly, I mean, what's interesting is for LeBron, because he's had so many, but to finally do it culminating in a championship in Cleveland, which is said that's why he went back. He went back with only that mission. I think he'd still be in Cleveland if they didn't win that one. Uh, Just a fucking awesome end to a game. Yeah, absolutely, man. And, and I think you talk about LeBron having a million moments that you remember. You talk about the dunk uh, after 
in uh, Detroit when he dropped when he scored like 14 points in a row to get them to win in the fourth quarter and all that or in overtime and you remember that one you remember a couple heat moments but this game is game 6 one. in Boston in 2012 that I think that was one of his signature games too when the heat were down 3-2 but if you're talking about one play to remember LeBron James the second greatest player of all time's career I think this is the one that at least I would put up I think you have to yeah because it was the one that cemented a championship and his most important championship. You always say the first is the most important, and I, I really wonder if you get him in a quiet room. I think he'll always say Cleveland, but that first one always matters, especially coming back from that really brutal loss to Dallas, being down 3-2 to Boston, winning his first in Miami, but then to really win in Cleveland, and that's when everybody, I think, got the understanding this is the second best player. Of all Absolutely. Time. Not only to win in Cleveland, who hasn't had a championship in, I believe, 52 years, a championship in any sport, right? Right. Um, but also to beat the greatest regular season of all time, down 3-1. LeBron would probably say it to a full room of media members, this was my biggest championship. Yeah, that's a good point. I just know how much players love their first but you're right. I mean, just the magnitude of everything that went into this game in this series, for every reason you just detailed, yeah, it probably has to be. No doubt, no doubt about it in my mind, at least. Um, so, yeah, this, this game was an all-timer for me. Basketball has transitioned into basically what we're watching today, a much more fun, flowing game, not as rough. Um, and these were two of the best teams to play that type of game. And... Given the circumstances and everything, one of the best games ever played, cover to cover. It was so fun. It was so fun. I, I think that you're right. This game, what I thought was interesting, too, was even though you know Cleveland did hit some threes, especially that one late by Kyrie, the style of the way these two teams played really could not have been more different. No, and that's, I think, due to LeBron. I mean, the Warriors are going to be the Warriors. They're going to get up and run. They're going to pass a million times. They're going to make the best play available, um, and they're going to do it quickly, and that's just who they are. But I think LeBron really dictates the pace of any team he's on and dominates a game in that way, stylistically, more than any other player, even more than MJ, because MJ could play fast, he could play slow, he could do all that stuff, but LeBron really just controls the pace and controls the game more than any player I've ever seen. Yeah, absolutely, and he does the most superhuman things at the most important times, too, you've ever seen, particularly yeah. that block. No doubt about it. I mean, he did miss a free throw towards the end there. If you want to give him a little black ch black mark. I'm not going to do it. No? Okay. No. I, I won't do no. it either. They won the game. Who cares? But he did miss a, a big-time free throw. But he hit the second one to put him up four. That's really all that matters. Well, right, because if, if it resulted in it still being a three-point game, okay, then you can because it's like, oh, shit, they're, you're giving the best three-point shooting team of all time an opportunity to tie this thing. And you, I, Even though Cleveland was cooking – and had momentum, I really believe that that game goes into overtime, Golden State finds a way to win. Yeah, I, I think I think LeBron knew that too, and that's why he was so desperate. Yep, so you, you nailed that second free throw, you make it a two-possession game, and there it is. Yeah, and, and this team had gone to the finals the year before. Obviously, Kyrie gets hurt in the first game, and K-Love follows him rather quickly, and they're both out for it. LeBron's got the team on his back the entire time, and that's tough task against probably – top three team of all time against the Warriors uh, finding their way and getting their first championship. 
Um, but this year, I mean, even so, in 2016, especially looking at Kevin Love, it wasn't easy. I mean, Love, LeBron was sending out cryptic tweets and this, that, and the third. Love struggling with mental health. It was great to see him have a signature moment and really get over the hump. It was. A great point by you there. Because Cleveland, I do think for that few years, LeBron, I mean, LeBron was just tra- having them trade everybody to get these veterans on the team, and they were using the buyout as well as any team in the league was to just get the kind of roster configuration he wanted. It was only going to depend as to whether his two main running mates, K-Love and Kyrie, were going to be along for the ride and be healthy, which they finally were. I will say, LeBron, hopefully, I mean, I wish him all the best in his futures after the NBA. Do not become a GM because every team that you've left, you've left them just completely destroyed. Yeah, I mean, I look think, at the Heat. Even they they draft Shabazz Napier because they think LeBron likes him, and then LeBron leaves. I think what's interesting here is, first of all, he's too much of a mogul to be a GM. He's going to be an owner if he does anything, yep. or you know, he'll he'll have something else to do with the game. Although the but, owner owner might not work out for him so well either. MJ's not having a grand old time down in Charlotte. The, the hard part about it is is I do believe that players have a difference as far as who they want to play with and how to actually design a team. Of course. You know, you know, Jordan never really was able to decide. He was never able to differentiate between the two. He looked at everybody the way that he would want to play with them. But he wasn't playing with them, so that's bad. Now, if you attack it from the schematics of, hey – I'm not playing with this guy. I don't know if I would play with this guy, but if based off the roster configuration we already have, these guys would mesh well together, then you might have a different outcome. I think LeBron's understanding enough of that if he ever decides to go down that go down that road. Hey, I guess we'll have to see. Uh, anything else on this game? Nothing else on this game. Um, we can talk about what was going on in the world during this game. All right, Shirley. All right. Going to give you an opportunity here to guess. It's a little bit more recent, so some of your guesses are going to probably be more in line here. The number one song on the date of this game was what? I can give you a hint. It is by a uh, pretty prominent rapper. Drake. There There's Drake, yep. You know which song it was? Uh, Hotline Bling? No. Um... What album came out in 2016? Was it from Views? Yeah. I don't remember which song was the big hit on that one. Well, One Dance was the number one song at the time. Okay. All right. Pretty good song. Pretty catchy song. Yeah, very catchy. Um, I dig it. Yeah, no, I, I can still listen to that this, to, to this day. This was also during uh, right before November when the world went to shit, right? Right. Well, though, one major event that happened right around this time was the uh, Orlando shooting in the nightclub at Pulse. So that was at the forefront of our minds uh, with that. So definitely a little bit of tragedy going on in the world during that point. Um, The number one album around that time was Views. Mm -hmm. And the number one album of the year, prominent female artist, if you can guess. Beyonce. Nope. Not in that, not really in that genre. She's pop, but she's not Taylor really. Swift. Nope. Think just singing. 
just singing? Just a great singer. Not Rihanna? No. I don't know. You're going to tell me, and I'm going to be like, I should have known. Yeah. 25 by Adele. Okay. Love Adele. How could you not? Yeah, she looks great, by the way. Absolute pipes. Oh, yeah, she looks great. I'm happy as hell for her. Um, Top TV show at the time of this game, my friend. I finally delivered two in a row for you. Thank you. Um, Top TV show. Big Bang Theory? Or am I a little late or a little early for that? Wasn't Big Bang. It's actually not a network show. So it's a pay-per-view? Not pay-per-view. Just not a network. Not like one of the main network shows. Hmm. Um, we did a segment on this show. Game of Thrones? There you go. Oh, that is a pay-per-view show, because it's like... It's not pay-per-view, it's HBO. Well, yeah, but HBO is pay-per-view. Oh, no, it's, it's just a subscription, right? Pay-per-view. Same yeah, shit, that... same shit, same shit. I don't know, I don't think it is. Because they're the ones um, who do all the pay-per-view boxing matches and shit. Whatever, yeah, I, I, we all know it was Game of Thrones porn. Thrones porn, exactly. Walking Dead was right behind it. Pretty Little Liars and Westworld uh, were all following game of thrones there the number one movie this is an interesting one for you it's a you're gonna think it's a kid's movie because it is but it's got to be loved by all you gotta appreciate it frozen nope sequel to an original one that came out like 13 years before incredibles nope but you're on the right track toy story Nope, but you're still on the right track. Monster is incredible. <laughs> no, Finding Dory. Okay, Finding Dory. All right, that another great one. Finding Nemo, Finding Dory, good one. I thought it was Monster Zinc. I know they did a little three-peat there where they went to college and shit. Uh, or they did two. I know Toy Story did three. I know Incredibles did two. I got my Disney and Pixar movies mixed up there. That's quite all right. But, yeah, dude, that first uh, week, it grossed uh, $135 million at the box office. Not too bad. Not too bad. I saw it. I was happy to say I saw it. It's a good movie. Absolutely. Uh, 2016 in sports, um, Alabama beat Clemson 45-40 in the first of many of their matchups. Roll uh, Tide. National Championship. Roll Tide. Fuck them. Uh, Denny Hamlin won the Daytona 500. Uh Denver defeated Carolina 24 uh, 10 in Super Bowl 50. Peyton subsequently retired. Uh, Villanova beat UNC 77 74 on that awesome game that we watched. Go back and listen to that if you want more on that game. Um, Danny Willett won the Masters. A couple things in, in the NBA. Kobe had his final game, put up 60 on Utah. Mamba out, RIP. That was. I remember that night because it was also the same night that Golden State went and got the 73 wins. Mm-hmm. So, really cool night in the NBA there. Obviously, Cleveland won the finals. Um, and the Cubs went on to win their first World Series since 1908, beating the Indians in seven. So, a little Cleveland heartbreak after the momentum in June. Big year there. Big year, man. Also Better the times. Rebuilt. Better times. Certainly better times until November. Absolutely. So what else has been going on with you, man? So yeah, I went out I went out for drinks. Um, a nice place called Half Moon, right on the water. You get the city skyline. 
Um, you're right on the Hudson there in Westchester. Um, great time. Very nice. Socially distanced. You wear your mask in, and then you can take it off when you get to the table. Um, lovely time. I, I enjoyed it immensely. Excellent. Will you do it again anytime soon? Do absolutely. You, do you go again? Okay, cool. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to doing it again soon. I like it. Yeah. I like it. So I went out for my drinks last week, and you know I had a good time. It was uh, we didn't eat. It was an enjoyable experience. Uh, cool to sit back out, but it did feel kind of twilight zone because you, you had a couple people who just walk in without a mask, mm. and it's like what the hell? Like you should not be allowed to seat these people. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't know if I'm as eager as you are to go back out and do it because I think it really does depend on the place. Some places really have the tables packed in. There's no way they're six feet apart. A little lackadaisical, huh? Yeah, I don't know if I love. I'll like, tell I you what to... the place the place we went to they basically had the part of the parking lot with tables. People were sitting on benches, basically anything to get these people in the door. And this is a fancy schmancy restaurant usually. Look at you. Like I got a chicken sandwich and it cost me like 30 bucks, um, <laughs> 20, 20, 30 bucks. But these tables were spread out. I will say that. Did you that. do your mojito as well? No, I, I stuck with uh, I stuck with beer that night. I, I just All went right. – uh, I got the. Ch- I didn't feel like spending that much money on on drinks, so I just went. I think I had like three or four PBRs. Nice. Yeah. Classic. I didn't got drive. So. <laughs> For the record. Well, the, yes. three or four, the three or four PBRs. Good job by you. Um, yeah, man. I mean, I went and grabbed a couple slices from a pizza spot just for takeout a couple nights ago, and the tables, like when you walked in, in the outdoor part, I mean, they looked pretty. A little too close for my liking, so I think it depends where you go. Absolutely. Um, also, got my hair cut. And did you? Was an experience. I did. Uh, we've made enough jokes about it. It was time to get it done. So you wear your mask in. I just went to a Supercuts, but the hairdresser, they're wearing like a whole shield. Hmm. Over. So, like, they've got the mask, the shield. Um, it was pretty crazy, but they don't let you, you call, make the appointment. And then you call them once you're there, and then they let you know whether they can bring you in or not, and then they call you back. So you kind of just chill in your car for a little bit. But, um, yeah, man, it was it was definitely an interesting experience for that as well. So, yeah, I, I feel like you probably experienced that just because you went to a Supercuts, which is like a chain. I think if you're right. going to like a if you're going to like a, a small business, just a barber, you know, making a living, it might be a little different. Yeah, I think so. I'm sure places like that are definitely going to be a little different, especially if you're doing like the whole style kind of thing or you're going to have a lot, you know, I don't have a lot of intricacy with my haircut. So (laughs) five minutes, you're in and out. Hey, man, it still feels good to get a cut, though. It does, bro. It really does. Uh, It was a good feeling for sure. So nice to have that done. And I'm probably not going to need it again for a little bit. So there you go. We'll roll with it. We'll roll with it. Anything else you've been up to? Not really, just working, school, you know, same old, same old. I went to that protest that was interesting. I, I Hopefully they keep on rolling. I'd like to go to a few more, maybe hopefully some change will be made. I think New York implemented a few new things with the police force, basically saying statewide if they're not implemented, then you will lose funding. I think the only way that you can get these people to implement it is if you threaten to take away money, so I like that. I like that a lot too, man. That is a sign that change is coming. You cannot continue to give these police forces full autonomy. They are here to protect and serve. They are not here to have full authority over 
human beings lives so i couldn't agree with you more i'm i'm not really concerned about new york um pretty liberal state i think they're going to go with the flow along with some of the other major places i'm more concerned with some of these small places in the south and whatnot um that's going to be a much longer tougher fight to get this country into 2020 all or all universally yeah and you and i really do believe that a major thing too is when we're when these police officers are going through training and they finally graduate from the academy, put them somewhere where they can relate to the people that are in those communities. You cannot have this kind of diversity and this kind of completely different you know, psychology going on between people who are meant to protect you and the people in the communities. That's not how, that's not a recipe for success. Yeah. I mean, so I it's sad that we be... have to say that because everybody it should have some empathy for other people and just be open to understanding. But you know what? If that's going to get us closer to the goal, then I agree with you. Yeah, I think that's a huge component. And again, it, one to me, it's one strike and you're out. You cannot have bad police officers. You cannot have them decide that they're going to run all the way through and you hear you know if you everybody watch 13th on netflix you see the complete the the unbelievable systemic oppression and really just sweeping under the rug of all of these forces i mean dave Chappelle talked about it too it's like the, the corruption runs so widespread that you really can't achieve what you want to achieve it's because it's it's too far ingrained over the history over you know the last hundred years well, you got to start somewhere, everybody. You got to start somewhere. Absolutely, man. Any shows or anything you've been interested in? You mentioned Game of Thrones. I kind of fell off on that. I'm going to have to get back to it eventually. Yeah, I will not be indulging in Thrones porn. Um, yeah, dude, just watch those docs. Uh, definitely watch 846, everybody, if you haven't seen it by Chappelle. That was great. As far as other shows, not really. A lot of good podcasts coming out about what's going on in the country and the world from a lot of different perspectives. So I've been honed in on that. I was doing some furthering education as well. So that was taking up some priorities, finish that up. So there you go. Uh, now just trying to see what this week's going to bring. Yes, sir. Another week in the books, another week in the books, man. All right, everybody. Hopefully we'll have some good news for you. Hopefully the Yankees can keep themselves out of trouble. That would be nice. Yeah. If, if baseball is not coming back and that's the only Yankees news we get, uh, 2020 is just, I'm just burying my head in the sand. You're going to have to find another co-host for the rest of the year. <laughs> yeah, we might just have to both put our not only the, the podcast on pause, but our lives on pause until next <laughs> January. I think so, man. Just restart in 2021. Yes, sir. All right, everybody. Go out. Remember, vote in November. Stay tuned for next episodes coming up. Tom, have a great week ahead, man. Good talking. You too, man. We'll talk to you guys soon. We good.